So I have this endless supply of note cards, and that's why they make their way into your bulletins all the time. I want you to grab your note card, if you have one, and if you're sharing bulletins, then grab a scrap piece of paper um, and the pencil in front of you. We're going to start out with a question. Now, first I want to say in the next few weeks, we're going to be investigating the church in Acts and how the church in Acts can guide us in, to be more relevant and interactive in this post-Christian world. So that's where I want our thoughts to linger today. But I'd like to start out with the verse, um, verses 14 through 16 in John 17. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. What does it mean to you to be in this world but not of this world? It's kind of one of those Christianese phrases now that we use a lot. A lot of people say we're in this world but not of it. I want you to just take a moment before we begin to write really quickly what that means to you. Be sure to save a little space on the back of your card, though, because there will be a quiz at the end. All right, you can keep writing or thinking about this um, if you want, but for right now, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to start with our text for the morning, which comes from Acts chapter 1, and it goes from verses 1 to 11. And again, I'll be reading through the NLT version, so if you would like to just listen, you are more than welcome. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come? For you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, um, that we would, we would be open and awake to your word, that we would hear the things that you are telling us. Instruct us now, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so there are two little blunders that the apostles make here. Um, and they seem pretty innocuous at first, and maybe even perhaps unrelated, but their implications are pretty important, and we can only really understand them when we look at the reaction to those mistakes. So here's the first one. They're asking repeatedly when the kingdom will be established, and not much has changed. People still devote their time to figuring out exactly when the kingdom will be established. People are still trying to puzzle this out. Now, Jesus has spent a lot of time. He spent time speaking in parables, speaking outright, constantly telling them about the kingdom of God before his death and resurrection. And now we hear in Acts 1 that he spent these last 40 days pretty much only focusing on the coming of the kingdom. So it's, it's a bit of a blunder on the apostles' part to ask when this is happening, and yet we can really hardly blame them because it's just been at the forefront of their minds constantly. And Jesus tells them, it's not for you to know. And he's said that before. He's told them before You don't need to know about when, you just need to be ready. So I feel like if I were Jesus at this point, this would be the point when I kind of face-palmed and was like, oh, you guys, you're not getting it. Because here's what's happening in this situation. They're talking about an earthly kingdom still after all this time. And of course they are. They really still don't understand that this is a heavenly kingdom that's to be established. But Jesus is not talking about an earthly kingdom And they'll figure it out soon enough at this point. Now, we also can't blame them for having this desire to know because from where they stand, things are pretty bleak. They're not in a good place politically and they're not in a good place as far as their religion goes. People don't really like them and they've been waiting for a long, 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 long time. They want to know when they're going to be safe from this persecution. They want to know when they can start moving toward this great, amazing kingdom that Jesus has been telling them about. 
and they know something big is about to occur because it's hard not to. I mean, Jesus died and then came back to life. Something big is happening, bigger than they can possibly imagine, and they're witnessing that happening. So they know something really big is happening. And in the midst of this difficulty in, in the politics and the community around them, they just want peace. They want to know that it's time. And so they're, they're looking forward to God's kingdom, and they want it right now. They're in this world trying to live for Jesus and for the kingdom. And that was hard, and they naturally wanted to know when things would get better. And perhaps they wanted to also know when they should start preparing for the restoration of the kingdom. Because they were ready to be living in that restored kingdom, and yet they knew things had to take place. So no matter what type of kingdom you're thinking of, whether you're thinking of the kingdom of God, or you're thinking of the restored kingdom of Israel, things have to be set into motion. And so the apostles are probably thinking, well, we might be preparing for possibly war. We, we need to be preparing our political structures. We need to get our leaders prepared and ready. But Jesus is thinking, I've got a whole different set of preparations for you. So they're kind of missing the point. Jesus tells them, you want to prepare for this. And you probably want to know the when and the how, because generally that's pretty important in preparations for anything, is knowing the when and the how. But Jesus completely goes right over the answer and says, I'm not going to give it to you. This is how you're going to prepare. You're going to prepare by living in the very world that's troubling you. In fact, that's the main event right now. You're going to go not just to Jerusalem, but to Judea, to, some, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And all of those places had different implications. Some of them really hated these guys. But you're going to go there to these very places that are troubling you, and that's how you're going to prepare for, your king, for the coming of the kingdom. And that's got to be alarming. So then, <laughs> this next part happens. Same moment, they're talking to Jesus, and he finishes telling them this, and he just disappears up into heaven right in front of them. And I... We talked about this a little bit in Bible study this morning. I really think we should cut them some slack here because that's got to be something else to witness. I mean, it really does. Um, that's just a shocking event. And so they're taking a moment to get their bearings straight, perhaps, and they're standing and they're staring up into the cloud. But while they're standing there, staring up into heaven... Things are happening around them, and they're kind of oblivious. Two men appear, and they've been there long enough to say, hey, stop looking up 
into the clouds and draw your attention back to what's surrounding you. It's not just two men, it's two angels. They know what they're doing. These two angels have called the the apostles out. They're saying, you're doing something wrong. Right now, you're living for the kingdom that you want here and now. Right now, you're living for the return of Christ, which you think is going to be immediate. You're staring up into the clouds, and you're ignoring what's happening right here, even when Jesus has just given you this really important mission. And yet, the moments right after this must have been some sort of a reality check to them. So again, I'm going to cut them some slack. (laughs) Because they've been walking with Christ, physically, right in front of them, giving them step-by-step direction. This is what needs to happen. He gave them the information they needed, and now he's gone. Their leader, who was going to bring about this kingdom, they've just watched him disappear. And so any thoughts of living in some kind of protective bubble, I think were probably popped at this point. Any thoughts of leadership have probably been uprooted. They need to get their bearings straight. Now, Jesus had promised them the kingdom of God. That was a promise, and in that promise there was hope, because they could cling to that. But he was no longer right in front of them with every step, and so suddenly they knew immediate kingdom fulfillment wasn't going to be happening. And so now part of that coming kingdom, there's a mission, and that's all they have is, okay, we've been left here, And our desire is to want to look up because we don't really know what to do next. And yet we've been left with a mission. And the mission is to reach the people who do not share their same religious or political beliefs. Their mission is actually to reach out to everybody. And so things are strange here and they might be confusing. Now they know that they belong to that promised kingdom of God because that's what Jesus has been talking about over and over and over. It's really ingrained into their heads, and they want to live for that, and they want to work for that, and they want to know when that's going to happen, because Jesus has told them so many times, be ready for it. He doesn't just talk about it happening. He says, prepare yourselves and be ready. Do not be caught sleeping. You need to prepare for the kingdom of God. And so they're trying to do just that. And they're doing that in the best way that they know how without having received yet the Holy Spirit. So they ask questions. And yet Jesus, you know, he interrupted what they considered to be kingdom preparation by sending them on this mission that seems pretty counterproductive. And it feels a little bit like a strange dichotomy in these ideas. When I prepare for things, I worry about the how and now, and yet that's not allowed. And when I live for the kingdom, I have to carry out the mission in this world. So there's, there's, it feels opposite. 
It feels like to live for the kingdom, I also have to live for this world. When we're told not to live for this world, it feels strange. And I think we still experience that today. We wait and we prepare for the coming of God's kingdom, and yet we have to live our lives here on earth in this world. And I don't know how many times I've heard the phrase that Christians are in this world but not of it. In fact, that's, it's a song that's been going through my head for like the last two weeks. It's over and over. And just this one line, uh, take this world, but give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. Over and over and over. We have to prepare for the kingdom by living in this world, but we don't belong in this world. I don't get it. So why does Jesus send us to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? Now, there's a whole lot of different ways of interpreting that passage. Uh, the passage where we, we are in this world but not of it. There are some people who absolutely reject the world around them and culture around them. And they see the things of this world and they say, I cannot and I will not participate or have anything to do with that. And so they live in opposition to popular culture. And that can be really taken to an extreme. And then we end up in these little Christian bubbles and everything's very merry and perfect in these bubbles. But we're not being missional because everything that we want and need is right here in this bubble where everything exists only for the kingdom. And we become stagnant there. And we can't really reach out well to people because we don't understand culture or the world around us because we're stuck here. And our job is the mission that Jesus has set for us, to go from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth. So we need to pop that bubble. And yet there's the other side of the coin, those who embrace pop culture to the extreme, and true that they can reach out to people very easily this way. Um, But when you start living in a way that's so ingrained in the world, what does that mean for your faith? Are you still living for the kingdom, doing questionable things just to fit in with those who are around you, or being so, so politically correct that you stop admonishing sin and you only preach love and forgiveness, or you're so concerned with appearance or worldly things that you water down the gospel? I have a friend who goes to a church and I thought that this was a really great thing and God works in great ways but she goes to the church because of their worldliness of their amazing worship band and their lights and they have a coffee bar in their foyer area and not just a bar but like a whole coffee shop And she loves that one time the preacher said all religions are equal and 
according to her, she said that Christ, he said Christ is not the one way to, the, to heaven. And I don't know, because I didn't hear that sermon, but it's concerning that it can be interpreted that way. That there exists a church that is so watering down the gospel that people are interpreting that Christ is not relevant. So these are two really painfully extreme sides of the coin here. And there's a whole lot in the middle. And there has to be a balance somewhere. And we need to find that balance. And that's sort of where the apostles were in Acts 1. So Jesus left them with a promise, a goal, a desire, and that was preparing for the coming kingdom and living for Christ. But he also left them with a mission to be physically living here in this world while reaching out to people from every nation. Now, looking back at John 17, 14 through 18, that's where we started out today. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Even I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them. So you, they are not of the world, but he has sent them into the world. What is the world here in this passage? Is it this physical earth that we're on? Actually, this world that they're referring to is a place of darkness of spiritual hostility the world is not necessarily this earth that God has created but this spiritual painful place that is Satan's domain and then what about the word belong or of in that text we do not belong or we are not of this world We do not belong to it. We are not controlled by the dark forces in this world. Or we are not of it. We do not live for the dark forces in this world. We've been freed by that spiritual darkness. We do not belong to the darkness of the world. We have a spiritual calling beyond that. And the darkness does not own us or control us because our Lord is Jesus. And yet we are in this world. And we are here for a purpose. So sometimes I think we misinterpret this verse to say, well, this world that we're in is bad, and the good thing that we live for is the kingdom of heaven. And there's danger in that if we don't interpret it correctly. Because God created this world, and God doesn't make mistakes. In fact, the Bible says that what he created is good, and then he put us here on purpose. It wasn't an accident. God put us in this world, and this world is a good place to be, and we're meant to be here. So if we start saying, I do not belong here, that's a problem, unless we interpret it correctly. So what does it mean, I do not belong here? Well, it means I do not belong to this darkness that Satan has brought upon this world. I can live here in this beautiful place that God has created, And I can attend this incredible church that Jesus has set up. 
because these are good things. And yet they're in this world. And while we're in this world, we're combating the darkness. And we're combating sin, nature, and we're living against those bad things. But boy, God created culture. God created all those people out there who are not in church on Sunday morning. And God created us to be in fellowship with each other and to live for him and to love them. It's not a dichotomy at all. It's we're here and we also live for the kingdom. And those live in complete harmony because God created this world and God does not say, you don't belong here. We do for right now. Where we don't belong is in that place of spiritual darkness. And so, in his kingdom, there is no spiritual darkness. And we need to share that. In his kingdom, there's forgiveness of sin. And there is eternal life. Just as that was meant to be. And so while we, were, we are on this beautiful world that we are meant to be on, we need to reach out to all the people. And we need to share the gospel. From, from, sunny, from Los Altos to California to the ends of the earth, our job is to share the gospel and to enjoy being here while we're here. And to share the gospel with those who are still walking in the darkness. And to say, you do not belong in the darkness. You deserve to belong to the light. And that is where we can be relevant. Now, the apostles may have blundered that up a little bit in Acts 1. But they changed things around pretty quickly. In fact, once they got that under control, they were living so amazingly relevant for the gospel. They were living for the kingdom and yet living out the mission God had given them. And I think that's a beautiful example of how we can be relevant today in our post-Christian society. It may look a little different, and we'll explore that too. Um, But our first step to being relevant in this community and in this world is finding that beautiful balance between being in this world and not of it and discovering what that really means. And so we find ourselves at the end of this sermon, and I promised you a quiz, and I don't break promises. So this is the most subjective quiz you will ever take in your life. And here's my question. On the scale from way too protected Christian bubble to you're really, really, really worldly, or any term that you want to use, where do you see yourself falling? And it can have any number of points in, the, in between. That's why I said it's the most subjective quiz you'll ever take. Where do you see yourself falling on that? Take a second to answer that. But also, I want to ask you, and then I want you to converse with those around you for a minute. What does it look like to you, you personally, to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria 
to the ends of the earth. Take about two minutes and then we'll close. Sorry, you can get in little groups to discuss this. Sorry. <laughs> All right, we're going to draw it back in now. If the worship team wants to come up, I'm going to pray. Oh, yes. Actually, uh, if the uh, deacons would come up, we will get ready to do the offering. Lord God, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would give us discernment as we determine how to balance living in this world but not of it in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.